it was a young African-American woman and she's going through um, just like the airport and she's a pilot. And then all of a sudden it's like a transition and she's like out on the, on the tarmac, like directing the airplanes. And then she's a flight attendant or an engineer. Like it was really cool to see. And the premise behind that was you can be anything at United, regardless of what your background is. And this person was just like me. And so it made all the difference for me to see that um, and, and it be an actual effort to give an avenue for people of color um, to be anything. This is episode one for season two with Christian Jones. Christian is currently an interiors engineer at United Airlines. She continues to advocate for a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive industry in her role as co-founder and executive member of the Patty Graysmith Fellowship, which empowers Black excellence in aerospace. A graduate of the Aerospace Engineering Program at Wichita State University, she aspires to make her mark on the aerospace industry by continuing to make air and space accessible to all. In her time away from work, Christian aspires to be a role model, an advocate for students of color that also have dreams of having careers in the aerospace industry, as she believes that exposing students to STEM careers at an early age assists students to know of all the career opportunities out there. Our recording starts now. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. I'm so excited to be here. So I'd love to talk to you about our first topic. And what I'm so curious about is what does creating a new fellowship entail? Yeah, that's kind of a hard question only because there are so many layers to it. Um, so I'll basically just go from the basics. Um, pretty much the first and for like first thing that you have to think about is your why like why am I doing this and I think it's easy to get caught up sometimes in wanting to solve the world's problems right and so you have to really hone down on your why why am I doing this who am I doing this for and you know at the end of the day like what what's the what of all of this right and so I think that's the three fundamental things that really helps you springboard. But after you have those things all panned out, I think that the second layer to it, at least for me, was mentally preparing because at the during this time in this age of like fellowships and you know the industry evolving, um, there's a lot of support and criticism for these types of things. And Absolutely. so you have to mentally prepare yourself for whatever is going to come if it's both negative you know if it's negative things and positive support because sometimes you're so focused on the negative when the positive comes you're like oh I didn't even plan for that you know so um I think that it's important to mentally prepare and and mainly just again going back to those fundamentals of why you're creating this specific organization um i think that's helped me i know that's helped me kind of stay grounded when things get tough with the fellowship is just staying grounded in that why um and that makes it 
makes me back on point <laughs> and kind of get back on the horse for lack of better terms. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you take us back to how you were feeling when it was conceptualized? Day one, Christian starting the fellowship with the team. Can you take us back to that moment and just tell us how, what was going through your mind, how you were feeling? Yeah, so I I would say I wish I could say it was all like flowers and rainbows. Um, however, it was the first, you know, moments was very scary. Um, it was a crazy time in the country as far as social justice, as far as just like being a black person in America. And so it was to me, I, I've just been kind of a background on me. I've had a grandmother that grew up during, you know, like no rights, like Jim Crow and all of those things, like no rights at all, you know? And so for me, it was big to me to really kind of hone in on that and, and use that as like a springboard and say, Hey, this is how we're not going to, we're not going back to that. And so for me, I worried that there would be a situation where, you know, again, with society, it's the idea of separate but equal, right? And I was afraid, truly a full transparency, I was afraid that that would be what, what the world would see us as, is this is a fellowship for Black students because these students couldn't fit into these groups, if that makes sense, these other Absolutely. groups. Yeah. And so it was a deep-seated fear that I had. However, the courage that came into it was, regardless of what the world thinks of it, there are students that are that need their voices heard and need these opportunities and are not giving the opportunities that they definitely deserve and so you know I just felt like regardless of my deep-rooted fears that I had all I could do was do my absolute best to, to be an advocate for that not to happen you know and and call those things out and set the standards from the start of hey this is not how we roll kind of thing um and so it it definitely was if I had to just like nail it down to three emotions it was definitely fear for sure but also a level of kind of like courage I would say and bravery that I felt because it's just like you have to keep going and persevering um and also joy because I knew that regardless of of how it turned out, even if we had one class of fellows, like there's a group of students who are going to move forward um, and having a great experience and can and can talk about this experience with others. So I think it was overall a great experience. Definitely scary, but great <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, what you shared just now is so incredibly powerful. And I'm curious about how these feelings of fear bravery, joy, how all of this translated in how you prepared for the summit and having that responsibility. How did you use those experiences and feelings to really shape how you were going to show up for that? Yeah, I think, um, honestly, it was just my hope to make sure that the students had the most equitable experiences possible. Um, and I, it's really hard, though, just from systemic oppression of 
black people in across the country in a lot of different industries but specifically the aerospace industry and so it was extremely tough to get representation um for different speakers and things like that and so my hope and prayer and like really big goal over it all was to have that representation as much as possible um without losing any of the information because it turns out unfortunately you know with such a small portion of the industry being african-american or black it's like how do you try to have every single person on a panel be african-american when one percent of the industry or two percent of the industry is african-american and it's spread across different type commercial government policy all of that so really it was just you know making sure that the students had an equitable experience um and didn't feel like they were you know second best to anybody like they're just as accomplished just as cool you know as anybody else that's in that space so um that was really my goal for the summit and what kind of had me had my wheels turning <laughs> yes and could you describe the version of you that showed up as a leader, mentor, and peer when you were interacting with the fellows, what was the vision of yourself that you had um, before going in? And also just in reflection, which version of Christian do you think showed up or really came through? Definitely. I think my main goal always is to be you know, almost like a big sister. Like I'm, I know I'm young and I'm very close. I'm in this weird space in my life where I'm old enough to have some experience under my belt to give great advice to, you know, younger college students or even students that are graduating and younger, but also, you know, young enough to understand the struggles that you go through right and so my biggest thing was just being somebody that they could come to and can confide in and be honest but at the same time have that relationship to be able to say okay I'm gonna give you the best advice I possibly can um, and be able to be trustworthy in that space and so I feel like I achieved that like my students, I feel like we have great conversations. Yeah, you did. <laughs> we had a, it, it was a suite at the summit that was just for like a hangout, chill, debrief, kind of like hangout with for everybody. And one night I went down to just get like soda because there we had like snacks and stuff in there. And the students used that as like seriously a hangout room and just to chill and talk about whatever. And I happened to stumble in there. And before I knew it, like I just came for a Sprite before I knew it, I was in there for like two hours, just talking about life and social justice issues, things that you can do, you know, in the industry, like my life, like all of these different things. And so I think that it'll allowed me to connect with the students even more as not just like a founder who sits up on this high horse you know and never gets to talk to anybody but like really in it and sometimes I have to remind myself like I'm not a fellow <laughs> because it's like and not in a bad way it's just like I really see them as friends you know what I mean as people that I truly do care about and want their success so it's like I always say, like, I'm I'm the big sister in the group. I'm not going to be your mom. I'm going to be the big sister that tells you when you're wrong. 
but I'm also, I understand, you know, what you're going through. So I would have to say that definitely played out during the summit and throughout the fellowship in its entirety. I love that. And as you were speaking, I was thinking how what you are is a culture shifting leader, not a emerging leader, but you are the leader who, um, like you said, encourages them both as a friend and a peer mentor, but you have all these experiences ahead of them in those few years that really, really sets you apart and helps you give back in the most authentic way possible. And so for those um, mentees that you've met um, amongst all issues pertaining to social justice, well-being, equity, I was curious of what sort of advice you have given them and would like to give folks listening in on how they would like to pass on these experiences that you've created that they feel inspired by to their communities so that what you're speaking on now gets to have these ripple effects throughout our communities, classrooms, engineering teams, all of these small and big rooms that we're in. I was curious what advice you would have for someone looking to create these experiences like you've created as a emerging leader or leader themselves. Definitely. I think my biggest piece of advice um, that I give is, you know, I do what I do for others so that they remember those things and pass that on. And so when I'm when I give my most authentic self and say, hey, I'm here for you. If it's, you know, you're crying, you need to talk at 10 o'clock at night, I may be a little sleepy, but I'm listening, <laughs> you know, like whatever that does, you know, to make you feel included and seen, you know, um, I feel like remember that. And and I and that's the advice I got, you know, from my mentors and the people that, you know, spent hours and hours talking to me and brainstorming with me and, you know, using their lives as inspiration to me. And so I always just share with my students, like, don't forget these times because it helps you remember and keep you grounded again, like when you get weary because there are going to be times where you get tired. Like I know there's been plenty of times in the last like four years where I'm just like, I can't do this work anymore. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of singing like a canary, saying the same thing, doing the same thing. And I'm not, no one's listening to what I'm saying. And I'm like, I've seen this, I've done this, got the t-shirt as my mom would say, and it's not getting through. And so, you know, I just share with them, you know, to make sure that you're not, you know, walking through the door and shutting it on somebody else because that defeats the purpose of what we're all doing. You want to have that ripple effect. Um, so to be very cognizant and, and at the same time, there's balance. And I know there's, it's really hard. I'm, I'm a believer that like, we really don't have balance seriously, but to the point where it ebbs and flows when you say, okay, hey, you know what? I have the energy to do this, do this and do this. And sometimes you have to go back, you know, center yourself and say, hey, what does Christian need? Christian's doing all of this stuff and helping people and, you know, planning summits and, <laughs> you know, but you have to go back to the basics because you 
can't do anything and help anyone if you're not, if your cup isn't filled. Um, so I always tell them those two things, like don't walk in a door and shut it on, shut it for others. And also make sure that when you are doing those advocacy things, be in, in constant conversation with yourself and checking in with yourself of how you're feeling, um, because that's important. It's easy to be depleted and not know it until it crashes. And then you're like, ah, I can't do it. <laughs> that is such great advice, even for the workplace, especially as fellows transition between school and work. And you recently had a transition between roles as well. And so I was really curious in transitioning between roles and looking for opportunities as a fairly recent new graduate um, or the job after the first job, what were some of the values that you were looking for that were embodied in the new workplace that were informed by your first job? So from the things that you were able to learn and absorb at your first job, what was then the things that you had set out that you were looking for in the second? Definitely. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, the one thing that has stayed consistent is I have, you know, experienced as an intern being in a situation where I feel like, you know, I'm just that check mark, you know what I mean? Of, oh, this is the diversity check. Okay, cool. Got it. And then you get to a, you know, to a company and it's like, where's my development? Where's the progress? Where's, you know, my development plan? And, you know, so um, I think the biggest thing for me was looking at culture. Like, what is the culture of this place? Is it some place where I feel like there's a level of not just work-life balance? Because again, like I said, I think there's balance is, is iffy, depending on what time in your life it is and all of that you know I think that it could change but there's encouraged if you need to take a step back or if you need time to just say you know what hey this is too much for me I don't think I can make it kind of thing they're okay with that that's number one number two as far as inclusion goes um just an effort like, I think there's a lot of times where I've seen companies that will plaster diversity, 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 equity, inclusion all over. And when it comes times for, you know, in the the year where it's like a, a month for a specific, um, you know, nationality or specific group of disenfranchised people that it's like, oh, yeah, diversity, we love it. And then there's no when you start looking at the fundamentals of what that looks like it's not there. And so seeing effort being put forth, at least I, I don't expect answers, you know, all the time. Like I don't have all the answers. Why would I expect you to have all the answers, but at least a willingness and an openness to, to listen, you know? Um, and then I think that as far as moving to my second job, the one thing that I did not do, I, I think I went to my first company in a weird transitional time because it was transitioning from a startup feel to a corporate organization. And I think it took away the 
homey feel of it of everybody's looking out for others best interests as well I'm not saying everybody was like that but the general gist was hey I help you so you help me and we help others kind of thing um and it wasn't anything that was you know oh you know well I'm too smart I'm not going to explain that to you kind of thing that wasn't um the culture at first you know um but I think as it came up it was important to me to be really close to the mission I don't just want to work for some you know someone to collect a paycheck it was important to me if I'm going to be putting my God-given talent into something it needs to be something that I am supportive of right and so I think just as transitions happen you know it just started not to align anymore um and I think that it's important to be true to yourself I know you didn't ask me that piece but it's important to be true to yourself when you feel like it's not a fit um regardless of how little or how long you've been there at the company how many people you know like regardless you have to do what's best for you um and it's important to be aligned with, you know, the mission of the company that, you know, you work for. Um, so when I started working for looking at United, it was very apparent from the diversity front. I was telling my recruiter in my interviewer when I was interviewing that um, in the video, like you have to fill out the application and then there's a video you have to go through to submit your application. And it was a young African-American woman and she's going through um, just like the airport and she's a pilot. And then all of a sudden it's like a transition and she's like out on the, on the tarmac, like directing the airplanes. And then she's a flight attendant or an engineer, like it was really cool to see and the premise behind that was you can be anything at United regardless of what your background is and so to see that level of representation and I know it doesn't encompass everybody and I get that for sure I know it's not that part is not fair because I know sometimes when I'm like this is great but it would be nice if they look like me but in this particular instance this person was just like me. And so it made all the difference for me to see that um, and, and it be an actual effort to give an avenue for people of color um, to be anything at United, right? Um, so that was the first thing. And the second thing being the mission. And, you know, at the end of the day, let's be honest, all airlines are trying to do the same thing, right? Trying to take one person from one place to the other. What makes a difference is that customer interface. And so seeing that customer interface and the pillars of United is what really made me want to work for United as well as, you know, just the innovation. I think it's awesome to be like, okay, yeah, this product is has been here, but how can we make it better? Um, so yeah, that that's mainly the two big things from the transition from coming out of school and then what not to do <laughs> for my second job. <laughs> that's perfect. And you hit my second question of how to search for your best fit so well. And that was all interweaved through. And in terms of just ESPN highlights from what you said, this was such a great response for people and students to take notes on things that they should look for. Uh, when transitioning with the mission and just how you feel when you're looking at the company, if you feel represented. 
how they handle um, not only just the diversity and inclusion piece, but the equity piece that oftentimes gets left behind. And that's why this podcast is called the Leadership Equity and Wellness Podcast, because that is really the key. And for that person in the video to be all of those things, it's, it is that equitable opportunity piece that I think so many workplaces um, maybe don't address with the enormity and dedication that that requires. So I was curious about transitioning into our final topic, which is how we show up in all of these spaces and how you show up as this powerful leader. My question is, what are your tips on dressing and showing up as our most powerful selves? That is a great question. And I think that I, I must say a disclaimer. I am a huge fashion geek. Um, I would say I I am on borderline of like couture fashion, like Devil Wears Prada, if it wasn't for the fact that 90% of the time I was working in a hanger (laughs) wearing steel toe boots and that wasn't very you know a couldn't get really fashionable with that but um I think for me um I've always just been taught dress like the position that you want and the respect that you want and so I always make sure that if, if I'm, it depends on, of course, the audience and, and things are evolving um, as like COVID, like athleisure wear became a, became a whole vibe. And so it's kind of just, you have to kind of balance with what, who your audience is, who you're going to be working with and what you're going to be doing for that specific day. But for me, my favorite is when I just bust out like a really slick, like nice suit or like a, um, a skirt and a blazer, you know, and, and I just always feel in some high heels. That's another one. (laughs) Um, I just really take pride in the way that I look. And so when I come feeling like boss, like I like those outfits that say I run the show. (laughs) So, you know, for me, I think it's just what makes you feel like I run the show, whatever that looks like, wear that (laughs) because you know everybody's is everybody's idea of what that is is different and and someone had had me do this drill and it was basically like close your eyes and think about your dream job and then think about your dream job and think about what you are wearing at that dream job and whenever I close my eyes and I think about that I always think of like a big screen like in a big conference room and like talking to a bunch of people around a table, mm-hmm. like big boss, we make big decision tables, you know, <laughs> and wearing like an all white suit. Like, I love that. All yeah. white, high heels, like red lipstick, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of going. And so um, that's honestly what I think just as far as whatever makes you feel like I run the show and I'm supposed to be here and I'm the big boss, you don't have to say it. It's just what make, makes you feel like that on the inside. That's important to do that every single time that you're in spaces, especially when you feel like you're not in that space, you know, um, especially as a person of color or, you know, gender minorities. Um, 
I think it's super important to do that because it's a reminder for yourself. How can I look this good and be this small? That's not how that works. Exactly. There we go. (laughs) So I was curious about how you began to define this personal style and how that's evolved through your experiences in the industry you're in and how you continue to be able to carry that vision for yourself while also knowing that today might be a steel toe boot day, but the heel and white suit day is coming too. How do you sort of carry those two visions and how has your style evolved? Definitely. I think it's in root. Like my parents were two spiffy people. Like, I mean, dressed to the nines like my mom didn't start wearing gym shoes I don't think I saw her wearing gym shoes until I was maybe in high school (laughs) um she was constantly in heels my dad was constantly in suits and you know Ferragamo dress shoes like really (laughs) really dressed to the nines and so I always saw that when they were going to work and so for me I was you know as a little girl I always thought oh, that's what you're supposed to look like. That's what adults do when they go to work. Right. And so I kind of carried that. And I also, for me, I love pops of color. I am, pink is my favorite color. And I literally, if my life could be in pink, I would be okay with that. Um, And so it took me a while to get comfortable with it because you stick out, right? Pink is a color that makes you stick out. And so I wasn't quite sure, especially being African-American, how does that look? When you see someone walk in, does it come off intimidating? Does it come off silly? Does it come off stupid? Does you look dumb, you know? And so for a while, I didn't really feel comfortable just being myself in that space. And then after a while, it was around maybe 2019, 2020, where I was just like, you know what, this is me and this is cute. So there's nothing wrong about, you know, me wearing a pink suit. I, you know, that's my personality. It's not inappropriate. It doesn't make me any less smart. Um, I think as it's just women in the industry, it's kind of like if you paint your nails or you wear makeup or whatever the case may be, then you're dingy or not as or not intelligent. But then at at the very same token, it's like also women in the industry that feel the same way. It's like a lack of support on on both ends. And you have to have the the mental capacity to say, you know what, this is me and who I am. You don't have to be this way, you know, if you don't want to, but empower Mm -hmm. both, you know, um, in that journey. So I think that Overall, it's evolved because when I worked for Virgin Galactic, like I said, I had to wear steel toe boots. And so I would just kind of like spruce it up a little bit. Like I had a cute little like green little lace that there I had go. Like steel toes <laughs> or, you know, have a cool shirt, you know, like that had something cool on it or, you know, wear um like athletic gear, but be like Virgin Galactic. So like a cool polo or nice zip up or something like that. It's like, you're still spiffy, but not like fancy, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, so that's really been the evolution. But now that I'm back in a corporate space in a building in one of the tallest buildings in Chicago, I get to wear like business clothes, which really excites me. I get to take the train like a big girl <laughs> and wear my business suit. So uh, I definitely can kind of have an intertwine of both of those things. Now my, my closet is very diverse when it comes to outfits. So... <laughs> I'm so excited to see this. And that sounds so exciting to me. Definitely. Yeah, I I have must say, just from a personal perspective, like I went from, you know, college t-shirts and shorts, you know, like all the time, some sneakers to having like, okay, when I go out, I need to look like cute casual, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I have a decent paying job. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> But sometimes I'm like, I don't care. T-shirt and shorts is what it is. It's hot. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So in the context of everything that you shared today, I wanted to ask you some rapid fire questions. The first one being, what does wellness mean to you? Yes, wellness means to me, um, whatever your center is, and it's hard to explain it. I, I feel like it's different for everybody, but when I feel like I can say from a percentage wise, a good 80% of the time, I'm joyful and happy. Not that everything is going well, and life doesn't throw things at you. But just overall, that's when I feel like I'm well, and that I'm able to sleep, I'm eating well, you know, I am able to communicate effectively, because sometimes when I'm not well, my communication is completely off. You know, there's attitudes, there's I'm annoyed, (laughs) you know, and or burnt out where you're extremely tired. Um, So I think it's just where your center is, where you feel like most rejuvenated is what I consider wellness all, all around. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. And what I'd love to know is being this culture shifting leader, what does effective leadership mean to you? I think that effective leadership is servant leadership. And I say that because there's a lot of times where as a leader, you want to just point, 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 right? And it's like, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And I think that for me, the best leaders that I've met are servant leaders where they're willing to get out with the people that they lead and and say, hey, you know what? This is what we need to do. And you're right out there. If there's, hey, we need more mentors to make this, you know, this operation go around, I'm going to step in when need be. Or, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not just going to say one thing and do another. Um, I think a lot of times it's like, well, this is how you behave and this is how you should be. But actually kind of like, what is it? Not preaching to the choir, but kind of taking your own advice, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think that that's really kind of what I think about effective leadership and being able to communicate and take honest feedback. I think that's something that leaders tend to lack. Um, as well as integrity, like all all around just unshakable integrity of of the idea that, and it's not just, oh, you know, I tell a lie or whatever. It's it's not just that. It's I'm consistent. The same person that I'm with you, I'm with, I bring into all the spaces that I'm in. Of course, with variation, you can't 
Like you, what you are on a Saturday night, you can't probably bring that to work. Maybe you can. I don't Maybe. know. <laughs> occupation, but you know, just being true, you know, to to your morals and true to what exactly you are standing for, um, I think is very important and effective leadership. I love that. Thank you. Well, Christian, this is amazing. And I was wondering if you could let the listeners know how they could reach you. I can add that in the show notes so that they always know how to grow alongside you and learn from you. Definitely. Um, so I'm kind of an old lady. So I just I'm on Facebook. <laughs> if it comes to personal, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. So always Christian Jones, feel free to reach out. Um, and I'm always looking for connection. So feel free to request me um, on either one. I promise I'm not crazy. My Facebook is <laughs> professional. It's like personal professional, you know, there we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no drunken Saturday nights at all. Nothing like that. <laughs> if I had them, <laughs> but um also, um, my email. So if you want to contact me personally, um, usually I go by Chrissy400Jones at gmail.com. But if it's on a, you know, want to know more about the fellowship or any of my diversity work, um, feel free to reach out to Christian at pgsffellowship.org um, and I'm more than happy to take any emails, set up calls, whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, that's a few ways you can contact me. That's incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christian. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Like I love the time that we had together and all the questions that we went through. And I really hope that this is helpful um, to someone out there uh, that I don't know of just yet. But <laughs> oh, it absolutely will be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod by Ricky Roy. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave me a review and follow me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and at Ricky underscore Roy on TikTok. Thank you so much for spending this time growing with me. Until next time, take care of yourself.